Uh, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. So we've been talking about, I've been doing a, uh, a series leading up to Christmas. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. We've been talking about the birth of John the Baptist as well, who was the forerunner of Jesus, one crying in the wilderness. Uh, and these were all prophetic uh, utterance that was given hundreds of years before these people showed up. Uh, this one in Isaiah was like 700 years before Christ was born. And it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. Um, I don't know what the problem is, but the screen back there is real dull. You may not be able to fix it, but just to let you know, is it everything okay up here? Yeah, it's good. All right, that's the important one. So we do celebrate Christmas every year, or celebrate uh, the birth of Christ, and we, of course, we call it Christmas. Uh, and it's important that we recognize the birth of our Savior. Amen. Amen. We we recognize that he did he came as a child. He was a man, God in the flesh, and he grew up, and he became strong, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God is at hand. He and John both. So it's really important. There's a lot of, uh, at this time of year, there's always uh, Christmas plays, and of course our youth are going to be our children. Uh, they uh, did the sticking program, which was awesome, and then our youth are going to be doing something next week. Uh, and there's always a lot of Christmas plays and stuff going on. And uh, I read a little story about uh, a church that was having a, a Christmas play and uh, people were auditioning for, for parts and one little boy wanted so badly to be uh, Joseph and uh, when the parts were handed out it was his rival that got the part of Joseph and he was the innkeeper so he was a mischievous little guy and he kept thinking of ways that he could get to this rival of his so it finally dawned on him the day of the play, when Joseph and Mary came to the, the inn, uh, they knocked on the door, and the innkeeper came to the door, and he was real gruff. He said, what do you want? And, of course, you know, that was part of the play, and uh, Joseph said, we, we would like a room. And uh, not keeping tradi to tradition, the little boy threw the door open, and he said, come on in. I'll give you the best room in the house. <laughs> Joseph didn't know what to do. He was stunned for a minute. Then it dawned on him. He looked in, he stepped forward and looked inside, and he said, no thanks, no wife of mine is going to stay in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, let's go to the barn. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's how it actually happened. 
We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through 66. For those of you who take your Bible uh, or your device, and we're going to be looking at Scripture this morning. Luke 1, 57. And now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loose and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt among them, and all these things were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with them. And we know it continued to be with them throughout his whole life. Now here's something that is really important for us to understand. Zacharias was a priest. Uh, and priesthood was handed down from generation to generation. John the Baptist was the last prophet of the Old Testament, but he was also a priest because it was his lineage that were priests. Now, most people probably don't even realize this because at that time, the true priesthood had been ousted from the temple. The Pharisees had taken over and the Sadducees had taken Pharisees and Sadducees had taken over, and they ousted the true priesthood. So John the Baptist came as not only as a priest and prophet, but as a man of God that was called to perform a specific task. And that task was to proclaim the way for the Lord to come. One crying in the wilderness. As we see, because of the scripture and because of the mandate from many, many years ago, John the Baptist, verse 59, says that he was circumcised on the eighth day. Eighth day, eighth day circumcision was given to Abraham as a physical sign. In the Hebrews, it showed that the Hebrews were set apart by God. They were a unique people. Set apart by Almighty God. Turn to Genesis with me, chapter 17. We're going to read 7 through 13. I'll give you a moment to get there. Genesis 17. Because I want you to see this story and the beginning of the uh, mandate for circumcision and the setting apart of the Jewish people or the Hebrew people. Sometimes we get them confused. As you're turning there, I'd like to explain this a little bit. We, we many times uh, will use Hebrew and Jew interchangeably. But the reality is the Jewish people, well, the people that are in the land now are people, most of them are of uh, Judea, Judaism or Judah descent. That's why we refer to them as Jews. The ten nations 
They're either from Judah or Benjamin. The ten nations, the, the other ten nations from the north that was split after Solomon's uh, death, ten nations in the north, two nations in the south, those nations split. They were no longer one nation. Those nations were turned their hearts away from God and the Assyrians came and divided them and sent them away from the land. Most people, and right now it's hard to find, I shouldn't say hard, but it takes lots of uh, understanding and study and historical, uh, under, uh, historical um, teaching and uh, trying to, to delve into the things that happened over the years. Some of those things are hidden. Some of those things are hard to find. The reality is, and the reason I'm sharing this with you, is that I want you to know that there are ten nations of, of Israel that one day will come back to the land of Israel. Right now, the majority are people who follow the way of the Jews or the Judaism. And Judaism is not necessarily the uh, teachings of the Bible or the teachings of the, uh, of the Mosaic law. Now, I know I've got you all very confused, so I'm going to stop right there. But I want you to understand that when we're talking during the time of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, it was the Jews, the, the tribe of Benjamin and Judah that were present and that were leading Israel at that time. And John the Baptist was a true prophet and a true priest of God. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had usurped their, their place and started teaching things from the oral tradition, the Talmud, rather than the law and the prophets. Uh, someday maybe I'll explain all that a lot better. But I just want you to understand that there are things that are happening in our world today that, uh, that have uh, roots in uh, events that took place, historical events that took place hundreds of years ago. goes all the way back to Abraham. Listen to what Genesis 17, 7 says. And I will establish my covenant, covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, and an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as you... you as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation. He was born in your house or brought with, bought with money from any, any foreigner who is not your descendant. 
he who is born in your house and he who is brought, bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh and for an everlasting covenant. The everlasting covenant of circumcision was to establish the Jewish people as a unique people and to establish the covenant that God had with them to give them the land of Canaan. This is an important aspect of scriptures, particularly in the day that we live in. Because today there are thousands of people, even Christians, uh, you know, people who are uh, protesting on behalf of the Palestinians, and I'm not for war. Please don't misunderstand me. I hate to see anybody dying. Uh, but, you know, the reality is they started this thing that's going on. Now, innocent people are dying. We hate that. We pray for them. Please pray for them. But people are, people are confused about whose land that is. It's the land of Israel. And those Jews who are there today have a right to that land. Do you understand? According to the scripture, they have a right to that land. That doesn't mean that we stand with Israel when they mistreat people or abuse people. We call that out when that happens. But this world that we live in today is rapidly turning their back on Israel. And we must be very careful that we do not do that. That we stand with them. In 1897, Theodore Herzl organized the first Zionist Congress. The movement was established for the purpose of securing a homeland for the Jewish people. The Bible makes it very clear. The land God gave Abraham as an inheritance and an everlasting Possession. That's what it says. Everlasting possession. Not just during the time of Abraham. Not just during the time of Jesus and, and John the Baptist. An everlasting possession. Although they weren't in that land for thousands of years. They came back. After the Congress meeting, Herzl wrote this at Basel. I founded the Jewish state. If I said this out loud today, I would be greeted by universal laughter. In five years, perhaps, and certainly in 50 years, everyone will perceive it. And certainly in 50 years, everyone realized exactly what had happened. The Jewish state was truly established and put in place. A lot of things had to happen for that to, to take place. But the most important thing that we need to glean from this is that the Bibles, the prophetic uh, utterance, prophetic words that came forth hundreds of years before it happened were fulfilled in 1948. An everlasting covenant was completed. In 1917, during the First World War, the Balfour Declaration was issued by the British government. The British government had control over what we call or would refer to as the Holy Land. 
The declaration supported the establishment of a national homeland for the, Pal the uh, Jewish people and the Palestinians. Here's what we must understand in regards to this conflict that's going on. In 1947, the United Nations approved a plan to partition Palestine into a Jewish and Arab state. The Arabs rejected it. They said, no, we don't want to live alongside the Jews. In fact, many times in the, uh, in the past and even today, they will say, we want to push the, the Jews into the sea. We want to get rid of them. They, now I know they're always talking about a two-state solution, but the Arabs continue to reject that two-state solution. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. I don't know whether God's going to allow that to take place or not. But I know this. He told us not to allow his, hand, his land to be divided, particularly Jerusalem. So we'll see what happens in the future. God established a land covenant forever with Israel. And in Isaiah 66, 8 says this. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth to one? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. In 1948... A nation was born in a day. David Ben-Gurion stood on the steps of Tel Aviv Museum and officially declared Israel as an independent state. The scripture was fulfilled. I don't know how it is the people, even Christians, there are so many Christians that read the Bible, read these scriptures, and they say, oh, that, that, that doesn't have anything to do with the Israeli state today. Surely it does. Surely we've got to keep our minds open to what God is doing and has done and has planned in the, the past. Hundreds of years later, God instructed Moses to make the circumcision uh, a part of the law. So it became a part of the law. But it originally was given to Abraham as a land covenant with him. The Jewish people as, uh, or the Israeli people at that time, were given the task to point the nations to God. They failed miserably. They became proud and arrogant. And this is what God told them. Deuteronomy 10, 16. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. What does it mean to be stiff-necked? Well, uh, the word is kasha, the Hebrew. It means to be hard and difficult. The New Living Translation says stubborn. Now, you don't have to be Jewish to be stubborn. In fact, I believe there's a lot of born-again people who become very stubborn, stiff-necked in their ways. Some cessationists believe in replacement theology, which is a belief that the church has replaced Israel as God's own special people. Now, there's some legitimacy 
legitimate reasons for that. You know, the scripture does tell us that we are his special people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. There's no doubt about that. So we must recognize that in order to be New Testament royal priesthood, everyone, doesn't matter whether they're Jew, Greek, uh, pagan of any kind, the only way to become a child of the Most High God is through the Messiah, accepting Him. Receiving Him as our personal Savior. And then we become children of God. And we have the benefits of being a child of God. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But we know what the enemy came to do. And he's still doing it. But Jesus, don't forget, when the enemy comes in and tries to destroy, tries to divide, tries to conquer, we, like, we can focus on that part that says, yeah, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But the, the best part of that scripture is that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. An abundant life to live and serve Him. What does that mean for us? It means everything, every part of our life. doesn't mean that everything's always going to be great and wonderful in our life. It just means that God has promised that through His Son, we will have an abundant life. Here's what we know. God has not completely abandoned Israel. Because he said his covenant was an everlasting covenant. Now there's a, going to be a period of time. We refer to it as the tribulation. Some Bible scholars teach that it's going to be seven years. Some Bible scholars teach that it's going to be three years. But without a doubt, the scripture teaches that there is a time of Jacob's trouble. That's what it is. It's Jacob's trouble. It's the trouble that's going to come upon Israel. And the purpose of all this trouble that's going to happen to Israel is to, get, is to cause them to turn to their living God and recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what it's all about. So Jacob's trouble is coming. We don't know the exact time frame for that, but we do believe that it is the last seven years of history of mankind as we know it Amen. today. That doesn't mean the world's going to be destroyed. It means that man will no longer rule this earth. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to be set up his kingdom. Amen. And he's going to rule for a thousand years. Hallelujah. How many of you feel like a ruler this morning? Some do. Yeah. You should. Because you're going to rule alongside Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It's great. Praise God. So we, we're not proud and we're not arrogant in any way. We just know that it's because of the blood of the Lamb that we get to, to rule with Jesus. By the time of John and Jesus' birth, the Jewish people were so stiff-necked. And they were, it was Jews, it was the people who came back from Babylon, from captivity in Babylon. It was Judah and Benjamin, those two tribes. They had become so stiff-necked 
that they failed to recognize the fulfillment of ancient prophecies. They all had them. They could read them. They had the law and the prophets. But they, they were so stiff-necked and their hearts were so hard that they failed to recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. And because of their stubbornness, their physical circumcision meant nothing. God was about to expel them from the land. Once again, for the second time. And in 70 AD, he did exactly that. Jesus told them that, listen, this temple is going to be torn down and there won't, will not be one stone upon another. They laughed at him. But years later, it happened exactly as Jesus said. The Romans came in, destroyed the temple in the process of trying to get all the gold that was in the temple because there was a lot there. They burned it, they tore it down, and they destroyed it. And most of Jerusalem was completely destroyed. In a few years after that, uh, all the people, all the Jewish people were dispersed and no one was allowed to live in the land of Israel any longer. They sowed it with the Romans put salt in the ground so that they couldn't grow crops. Uh, they burnt and tore down all the vegetation, trees, everything. It was a desolate place. It was so desolate that when uh, Mark Twain went there to visit, that's exactly what he said about it. He was excited to go to Israel because he'd heard so many stories about it. And when he got there, he realized... This was a land that was so desolate that nobody wanted to live in it. And yet, how many have seen pictures or been, maybe you visited Israel. At least you've seen pictures of what the land looks like today. That in itself is a complete and total fulfillment of prophecy. That the land would flourish and produce like it never had before. What a God we serve. You can trust His Word. I want you to know that. He's truly speaking to us today. The evidence that we're God's people, you know, we all like to, to you know, we like baptism because that's an evidence. We confess our, our sins publicly and we proclaim Jesus as Lord and King those things are awesome, and, and I don't want to diminish the, the importance of it. But I believe uh, the physical circumcision or the circumcision of our heart is more about the way we're living our life than it is these outward expressions. That our heart is truly circumcised, and we have a desire to serve the Lord, to serve other people. God, the, the, the truth is, God is still circumcising hearts today. Amen. 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 Romans 2, 28 and 29 says this. For he is not a Jew, his one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, his one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit. Not in the letter, 
whose praise is not from men, but from God. God makes it perfectly clear. We must have our hearts circumcised. An uncircumcised heart is one that's closed off to the things of God. It's not open. Now, let, let me make this perfectly clear. I believe that we, our hearts are circumcised when we receive Jesus as our personal Savior. But, for some reason, we allow that foreskin to grow back over our hearts at times. And we need a, a new circumcision of our heart. I've seen it happen to others, and I know that it can happen to me. If we're not careful, if we're not striving, if we're not, not doing our very best. Now, it's not about works. I don't want you to, to, to think that I'm saying it's about works. But we have to work on our relationship with the Lord. Not the things that we do, but, but our relationship with Him. Stay close to Him. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people I hate it. I hate to say this to you, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen people leave the church for whatever reason. They're not a part of a local body any longer. And they say when they leave the church, oh, I can be a Christian, I don't have to go to church. But I'm sure that you have examples, as I do, of people who did that, and where are they today? Tammy and I have some very, they were dear friends that we went to church with. We loved them. They were solid, strong believers in Jesus Christ. And things happened in their life that caused them to reject the church. They walked away from the church. Well, they told me, I spoke to the, the the gentleman one day, and he said, oh, we still love the Lord. We'll never turn from the Lord. Well, maybe, but I can tell you this, their family is completely split apart today. They got a divorce, and their children don't even know how to serve the Lord any longer. It saddens me. I hate to see that. But this is a reality that happens when we begin to separate ourselves from the fellowship of believers because that we are the church. You're not a church within yourself. You're a part of a church. When we start to separate ourselves from the fellowship of believers, we're in danger. Yes, sir. Don't allow the enemy to do that because that's his goal. He wants to, he wants to separate and conquer. And he will do just that. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we, our hearts are not only circumcised, but according to the prophet Ezekiel, we will receive a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What a promise we were given. Hundreds of years ago. That's what Jesus was going to do for us. And yet, we all know 
Life happens, problems, disagreements, heartaches, loss, all kinds of things. Emotional, physical, and spiritual pain takes place in this life. And all these things seem to allow our hearts to callous over at times. I'm just trying to warn you this morning, don't allow the enemy to separate you and divide you and conquer you. I'm not talking about people losing their salvation. I don't know. That's between them and God. But I can certainly tell you that when a person separates themselves from the fellowship, it seems that it's not long till they start living a lifestyle that they never dreamed of. In, when they were faithful to the Lord. I'm talking about living in a place where we question if God knows we exist any longer. I'm sure we've been there. You know, it's, a, that's a, it's just a natural part of being a believer. We question God. I think the story of Gideon is a prime example of this. Gideon and his people were oppressed by the Midianites. They couldn't even thresh wheat. He, he found himself threshing wheat and hiding from those Midianites. And here's what the scripture says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Get the picture. Gideon is hiding in his threshing floor from the Midianites. He's afraid. And I'm sure he feels like a coward. And the enemy shows up, or the angel shows up and says, mighty man of valor. He must have looked around and said, who are you talking to? You couldn't be talking to me. Look what I'm doing. Look where I'm hiding. Look what's happening to my people. And yet the angel saw things in Gideon that Gideon didn't feel at the time. Gideon didn't know about. Gideon didn't embrace. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, this is a natural response. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles with our fathers told us about saying? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. Where are you, God? How can, how can I be a mighty man of valor when I'm hiding out? How can my people do anything to deliver themselves when the Midianites are oppressing us? We heard all the stories about how you showed up in the past, but where are you now? Is that wrong, the question? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe God's looking for a people that will say, God, we don't know what's happening. It doesn't seem like you're showing up right now. Gideon didn't question God's power and authority. He just wondered why God wasn't moving at the time on his behalf and his people's behalf. You see, there's a difference between questioning whether there is a God and questioning why our God is not moving at this time. Yeah. 
truly a very important difference. He told him this. This is important for us. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? This is very important for us to, to grasp. The angel is saying to, Midian, to Gideon, Go in your own might. You have to muster enough ability, enough courage to start doing something. And if you'll start moving, if you'll start taking some steps forward, God will be with you and He will show up. But as long as you stand around or hide in this threshing floor, nothing is going to happen. Hallelujah. This is encouragement to the body of Christ. We have to move. We have to do things. And God will show up. Catch, make sure you catch what he's saying here. Go in your human power. And because of me, we will save Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 20, Israel and King Jehoshaphat are at peace. When suddenly a vast army comes to attack them. They become afraid. How many feel like you would probably become afraid when asked? I want to put this in perspective. Let's say this. Let's say that tomorrow we woke up and Russia, China, North Korea, and others, because it says others in this, decided they were going to attack the United States on our soil. Would you be afraid? You'd be a fool not to be. Of course we would be afraid. That's, that's where they were. Exactly in a position like that. This vast army. Military power. They, had, they were cutting edge technology at that time. And they were coming against Jehoshaphat and his people. And here's what it says. Second Chronicles 20.15 And he said... Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. This is God speaking to him. <coughs> Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Remember, whatever you're going through, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. He's on your side. Tomorrow go down. Once again, we see Jehoshaphat had to do something. He and his people had to go down and face that army. It must have been terrifying. But God said, don't be afraid. I'm going to go with you. And the only way that we muster courage is to do something. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in spite of fear. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat and his people did. Tomorrow go down against them, and they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You, here's the great part. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Get yourselves 
set yourselves in battle array, position yourselves, act like you're going to fight, but you won't have to fight. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. I tell you today, do not be dismayed. The Lord is with you. Hallelujah. It's the same word today for us as it was for Jehoshaphat. Praise God. This is the season of the year where we as believers should be projecting hope, joy, excitement. We have that. We have it in our hearts. And if we need God to do something with our heart, all we have to do is cry out to Him and he'll, He will show up. But it's really important that we recognize that we have answers. Jesus truly is the reason for this season that we're in. And we can proclaim it wherever we go. Russell Imbersall was a veteran missionary. And he, he once told Bible teacher William Pentagall of the disappointments of, and the trials he had faced on the foreign mission field. Because being a missionary is a tough life. Pentagall explained to him, Brother, that means you're on the right track. Do you realize when opposition comes against you, you're on the right track. If you never experience any opposition or setbacks in the Lord's work, you ought to get down on your knees and ask Him to show you what you're doing wrong. Hallelujah. And I believe that is true. The enemy's going to come in. The enemy's going to try to defeat. The enemy's going to try to stop us. That's just the opposition that the enemy comes with. But our God is strong and mighty. Great is he. Things that are impossible with man are possible with our God. And this season, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We will proclaim the goodness of our God through His Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand with me. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.